What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about finance. We're talking about business. And of course, we're talking about generational wealth. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best foot forward and elevate. But before we introduce today's guest, my man, Eric, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight? Hey, Corey. Thanks for uh, everything, man. Uh, today's Spotlight, um, I'm going to bring to a guy we all know. His name is Damian John, who is, of course, an American businessman, entrepreneur, investor, and motivational speaker. You probably know him better as the founder, president, and CEO of FUBU back in the day, you know, which was a hip-hop apparel company. Today, John's net worth is around, let's say, about $350 million. Uh, Damon started working at an age of 10, hand-by-hand out flyers. And then after high school, he worked several odd jobs to support his family. Now, John started FUBU in his mother's house, who taught him how to sew. Now, his passion and dedication helped him to reach where he is now. And that's Damon's that success story. So a little quick tidbit a lot of people though did not know, but in 1992, Damon John had the idea of creating a pale company for young men. And that's how FUBU was created. In addition, his mother taught him how, again, his mother taught him how to sew like I mentioned before and supported John by allowing him to work out of her house. And this he sold a collection around about 90 hats and sold them on the streets in New York. So in a single day, he made about $800. Uh, after he started making hats, he started selling printed T-shirts. Then John also sold on a consignment at various big events. So FUBU was enough to make ends meet. And since Damon started working a full-time job so and at a restaurant, so to generate extra money, John and his mother mortgaged their house for 100 grand. And after this, John started hustling and did everything he could to take FUBU to the new heights. So with hard work, determination, and persistence, Damon built that empire to a business from scratch and reached new heights. So his mother always supported him and allowed his son to achieve his dreams. So more of the story of the day, if you work hard enough and never give up, then anything is possible. So like I say, John Worker is starting as a waiter and he, now he's a multimillionaire, Damien John story is very inspiring now that's my black spotlight today Corey, back to you you always hit us off with those uh fresh black men sunday spotlights but let's go on and introduce today's guest man we got timothy jernigan this brother's author this brother from louisville not louisville from louisville mississippi this brother told me he bought his first house at 19 years old this man had up to seven properties he has four now this brother wrote the book, Your Map to Your Million, The Guide to Becoming a Millionaire in Seven Years from Zero Dollars. Not a dollar from zero dot zero zero, man. This brother gives us the game. But first off, brother Timothy Jernigan, man, welcome to Black Man Sundays, brother. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you guys so much. I'm inspired already, I'm, but I'm good. Yes. Hey, so we're going to get started. You heard my man. We talking about FUBU. You know, oh, I was yeah. talking about Gucci, Louis, and all these different brands. What's wrong with the name brands? I mean, like I said, man, when I first got my couple checks, man, I went and got me a Gucci belt, Louis belt. I had the Gucci shoes. I had the Jordans. So what's wrong with name brands, brother? We're going to start right there. Thank you. And, you know, I'm going to start off by saying, for me personally, I hate name brands. I have zero name brands on purpose. <laughs> I would say it like that. And the reason why I hate name brands is what the hold that name brands have on our community. Don't get me wrong, I, I applaud FUBU. I wrote some of that down uh, for my toolbox later on when I do another event. But if we would have, as a Black community, if we would have been just invested the money that we gave Gucci and Louis over the last 10 years, we would have enough as a Black community to, to uh, sponsor every HBCU uh, to be tuition free uh, for the next 20 years. Uh, so it's the hold that the emphasis that we put on name brands. You're not getting any more. If you, you know, and people always say, uh, oh, it, it's a Louis Vuitton. 
But to me, if you get a Louis belt or you can get a, a, a leather belt, the leather, the handmade leather belt would, would last you your lifetime. You know, the Louis belt maybe last you a couple of uh, a couple of years until it's out of style. So I'm very passionate about name brands. Everybody wants to be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. You are one. Right. So do you need to own or is it imperative as a black man to own real estate to be a millionaire? I recommend everybody as a part of their portfolio have a portion, at least a third of their uh, net worth be invested in real estate. Real estate is a, the cornerstone of, of wealth building and real estate is safe. Uh, real estate is, that's why it's called real, real estate because it's real property, it's real. And it always have always went up. So that's why I suggest that a, at least a third of your portfolio be in some type of, of real estate. It's not mandatory, but I, it's, it's highly suggested. Like I said, I, I've always been in the real estate uh, for my whole life, I feel like, you know, so, and it, and it never had done me wrong, but uh, you have to know what you're doing uh, when you get into real estate. You know, there's bad real estate deals. I've seen people go broke trying to, you know, buy uh, the wrong real estate deal. So you just have to know, have the knowledge of, uh, of real estate, you know, uh, when you, uh, when you're building your portfolio. You know, a lot of brothers, I'm seeing 30, 31, 24, 25. Oh, you bought your first property. Wow. <laughs> this brother said he bought it at 19. Can you elaborate on that, brother? And just where did that mindset come from? Yeah, you, you know, and like we had said before, it was before, I would, uh, I'm going to renovate a house tomorrow. I was lucky enough, I was born in a house. That house was built in 1968. I was born in the living room of that house uh, through a midwife. And I'm blessed enough to go and totally renovate that home, like HGTV type stuff. You know, I'm going to see some pictures of some of my flips. You know, I, I love to create. I, I love to, you know, knock down walls and, and do all that stuff there. So I was born in a home. And so when I left uh, Mississippi, Louisville, Mississippi, and went uh, to the military and I got my first apartment, I'm like, man, you know, this ain't for me. Uh, I was born in a home. And like I said, I joined the, uh, the Navy when I was 17. And I, like I said, I retired from the Navy when I was 37. So I, it, so in two years after I was in the Navy, I bought my first home. And, um, and I remember that first home, it was $86,000 uh, back in, I think, 1988 or 89 or somewhere like that. And now that home, when I sold it, you know, made over $100,000. So, you know, and that was a decade later. So uh, in real estate, it, it helps build and transfer wealth to the next generation. That's, that's why I say, hey, you, you've got to have a, some type of form, uh, some form of real estate uh, in your portfolio. We've had guests on the show on multiple properties. When we're talking about, uh, okay, now you have this property, now you have this extra property, it's time to make that mortgage payment. How is How important is it to pay the principal early on your house? I hate mortgages. All of my properties, uh, you know, the four I own now, all pay for free and clear. You know, this one here, you know, my one of my main properties, the main one I live in, and I'm going to live in the uh, other one down south part-time on the ranch. Uh, but all of them are paid for 100% free and clear. And the reason why I do that, if, it, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, I want you to pull up your amortization schedule, your, you know, and that's, your amortization schedule is when you go and buy a, uh, uh, just let's use sim simple numbers, a $100,000 home. Um, you know, there's no, you know, there's too many, not too many homes for $100,000 anymore. And you, you purchase a $100,000 home and your first payment, 90% of what you give, pay that mortgage company is going toward interest on your first payment. And then at, and if you keep that house for 30 years, your last payment, you know, they taking ten dollars of interest. They don't already, they don't already punch you by then. You know, they, you know, they don't already got everything out of you. So I do believe in uh, paying that principal and avoiding that money, that cost of money, because money costs money. I don't care what nobody say. Money costs money. And like, and like I told you, I'm not a Bible thumper or anything like that. But the Bible tells you 
be the lender and not the borrower. So, you know, and if you look at your amortization schedule, and it depends on your interest rate at a rough, roughly about, hey, don't quote me on this because I don't have a calculator right in front of me. But if you add a seven or 8% interest and you get a $100,000 loan, at the end of 30 years, you don't pay them guys back about $200,000. So it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Yes, you do get the equity if the equity builds, but also that is your money that you're giving them. That, that, that is eating part of your profit. So I really do, I, I, I'm a firm believer in real estate. Great information, man. You know, when I talk to a lot of brothers that, that are in, finance, in financially stable positions, they say, yeah, man, you know, we make great money. We have good lives. We have children and all, but we're not free. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we still have to get up. If we don't get up and go to work, that freedom is changed. We, we kind of have to get up and go. But, you know, having passive income, can that make you free, brother? Oh my God, I, I, I believe in passive income. You know, I tell people all the time, I have seven streams of income, seven. You know, it, 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 and a stream of income, it's it just like a, a stream of water. If you cut off one of my streams, if I got just one stream of income, if I just got one stream of water, you cut off that one stream, you out of luck. But if you got seven streams, even if they may be smaller streams, when that come down to that one point, that's a river, that river flowing. And if you cut off one of those streams or two of those streams, that really don't affect that river. And that's what I believe in. And you, you've got to have passive income in order to be, to be free. And, and don't get me wrong. I was in that boat too. So I'm not knocking anybody. Uh, this is chess. This ain't checkers. This don't happen overnight. You know, that's why I say seven years. And that gives us a, that gives us a time frame. And that's what, how I did it in seven years. I hope it could be done in two, three, four. But like I said, this is chess. This, this is not checkers. It's a, it's, a long, it's a long game. So many people get into real estate. You ever see those signs on the side of the road? Like uh, become a, a looking for a real estate investor, you know, all those kind of signs on the side of the road or uh, learn how to flip houses and, and three easy steps and stuff like that. A lot of those are untrue. You know, there, there's no one, two, three step to real estate. There's no... It you know quick and anything there's nothing easy about it, but it's worth it. So you have to know what you're doing or good, seek wise counsel. You know seek wise counsel. You, you know you just can't go into it. You just can't go into it blind. And and uh, always get you you know, a mentor or something like that. Somebody who's done it. You know don't go to the, those classes. It, you know uh, when I was in when I lived in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, I got with the mayor there in Chesapeake, Virginia, uh, because I used to hate to hear those uh, things on the radio talking about come and, and, and learn how to flip houses in three easy steps. And I went there uh, because when I went there and I saw a lot of people who look like me, I saw a lot of people, young brothers, young sisters. And what happened was I, it was a young brother that I had spoken to right before they had started the presentation. And the young brother, he had, he was a good brother, man. And, and, and um, he had just did some time and he was coming out and he had a little money saved up. And he said, I'm about to get into real estate. I, he said, this is my last shot that he's about to get into real estate. And I sat there through the presentation and it was just a scam. They were just a scam. They were just trying to get, and they charged that brother $5,000 for some general information that you can download on the internet. And some of it even wasn't even accurate. So I fought, you know, like all outdoors to prevent them from coming uh, to the city of Chesapeake. We, you know, we failed because they just went to the next city over and the hotels were mad because they wasn't getting their money. But, you know, if you listen to this podcast, be leery of those, you know, hey, you know, get my easy three-step program and learn how to flip houses and so on and so forth. So just be leery of that and just get you a good mentor and, and learn. And I tell people all the time, don't try to flip a house if you don't own your own one, own first. <laughs> own your own, learn how this stuff works. You know, do go through a process once. This is not the get rich quick business. This is, this is chess, this is the long game. Real estate is the long game. Real estate is a wealth building mechanism not a uh, get-rich-quick type deal.
a lot of millennials are really into the stock market. They're really into the crypto. They're really into, you know, I don't need a financial advisor. I can just do the research and do it all myself. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you believe in that? Or do you feel like, okay, you should have a financial advisor. You should have an accountant that's doing it for you. Or, or do you take the millennial approach and say, you know, what? I don't need it. I can do my own research and do it myself. I, I believe in a mixed approach. I'm a financial advisor, but I still get advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I listen to people every day. You don't have to be, uh, you get advice through a, lo a lot of different things and different people. I learned something from you earlier today, you know, about investing, you know, and, you know, you just put that in your toolbox. Never, ever, ever, never just depend on somebody to tell you what to do with your money. You have to know it. Every time I've seen somebody that have done that, they depend on somebody else to tell them, hey, this is a good investment. That, that's a good investment. Unless you know that investment, don't get into it. Because you, because believe you me, the person that's giving you that information is giving you that information and looking out for their own best interest, you know, period. I believe in diversification. And that's why I say, hey, have some in real estate, have some in the stock market. Have some, you know, in a in a business, TSPs, 401ks, money market accounts, uh, uh, dividends, stocks. Diversify within your span of control. Um, like I said, my number is seven. I had to have seven streams of income. You know, I have to four properties. You know, you get you know rents off of those. You know, retirement. You know, I'm retired. You know, that's a stream of income. Uh, dividend checks coming in. That's a stream of income. You know, you so you have to have several streams of income and, and and they don't come overnight. You know, royalties, I, I tell people all the time, you know, creativity, you know, you can get royalties uh, uh, from some, that's a passive stream of income. So you you want to do that to to have that, that peace of mind. You know, peace of mind is priceless. I tell people that all the time. It ain't about how much money I got, it's that peace of mind that I got that, you know, I don't, I don't have like a magic number that per se to sit in the bank. Yeah, I use a million because everybody knows, everybody recognizes a million. Okay, you're a millionaire. But I know what it takes for my wife and I, for we, for we to have, if I don't have to go to work, and I still, I still work. I, I work, you know, not saying just for fun, but hey, I, I have need something to do. I'm not old enough to just, just sit home. And I, I don't know what that next level, that next thing, for me to do, I'm, I'm not sure what that is, but when it is, money won't be a problem and it won't be a hindrance to doing what I want to do. Okay, and let's talk about your books, man. Your map to your million, the guide to becoming a millionaire in seven years from zero dollars. We already, I kind of just from this conversation with you, I kind of see why you wrote the book, but just give us a little analysis on the book. You know, a little backstory on me. You know, um, like I said, you know, I bought my first house when I was 19. Uh, I was a real estate agent. I, I, I was able to uh, build a home from ground up. I was able to build my dream home. I was able to design it. And so I was a, a millionaire, you know, easily. Uh, several properties. Uh, me and my ex-wife, we had a, a real estate firm uh, that we had other agents employed with us. So, it, you know, money was not a factor. Uh, but I went through a divorce. And money, money did become a factor. Uh, literally, it took me down to zero. And I looked at that as a challenge. And like I, uh, I always tell people, when I was at zero, it was like uh, taking a test I already took before. I already knew the answers. So it was a challenge for me. I really wanted to have that challenge. Like, hey, look, I want to try. I want to do my own thing in a way. I want to see all of my the things that I preach and that I've taught other people, I have to put them into play too to tell people, hey, you can do this. My main goal from writing your map to your million is to let people know it's not like you got to hit, hit one big home run move. It's so many times people think I'm trying to get the big lick. I'm trying to get this big one-time hit show or this, uh, this, I'm trying to get this one-time big lick or hit the lottery. It's not about that. It's about financial principles, little by little, every dollar, it takes a $1 to make a million, but it, takes, uh, to, it just takes a million of them. So it's, and I want people to know, it is not out of reach for anyone. And I want people to know that uh, it's attainable. I would say, you know, write a vision, 
and make it plain. When you write your map to your million, it may be different than my map. Yes, I use real estate. I did use real estate. Now I suggest everybody have a portion of their portfolio in real estate, but like to, like today, it could be shoes. <laughs> it could be it could be shoes. It could be it could be dirt. It can be whatever it is. You know, true enough. I know people who have made a million dollars off of trash, trash, the stuff that you put in your trash can, but they have made a million dollars off of the financial principles of, of, of getting rid of that trash, dumping trash. So, and they made a million dollars out of that. So it's not about, you know, the, the object of it, or, but it's about your business acumen. And that's why I wrote the book to let everybody know that it's attainable for everyone. Okay, yeah, because a lot of brothers, you know, we talk about uh, millionaires, you know, you hear those stories. They, uh, you know, had a phenomenal property that just got skyrocketed or they played the right ticket. Like I told you, for me to own my property, I basically had a bunch of valuable sneakers that were worth a lot of money that helped me get in the game. So my question to you is, you know, for brothers out there that may have different passions, whether it's art, whether it's sneakers, real estate, how do you extract the value out of products? Absolutely, man. That That's one of my things. I tell people all the time, I have the ability to look at a piece of real estate and say, okay, I know the highest and best use. I can recognize the value in, in that piece of property. I know how to get that money out. And just, I could look at a pair of shoes and like, oh, that's just a pair of shoes. But you look at that pair of shoes with your lens and say, oh, oh, wait a minute. These here were $3,000. They could be sitting there for $25 and I'm going to pass right over it because I cannot recognize. Everybody on this that listen to this podcast have something that they're able to recognize the value in something and, know, and somebody else will see the same thing and, and not be able to recognize it and not be and also not be able to pull extract that value out of out of it. And just like I say with the guy with with the trash, you know, he was able to see he he saw trash and saw money, saw dollar signs. So you, somebody else could see shoes and see dollar signs. I know uh, a millionaire that's cut grass, landscaping company, but his business acumen, he saw grass, you know, the growing out there and and understood how to extract the value out of it and recognize the value in it. So every brother, every sister, everybody listening to this, this podcast, it, it, some, it could be sewing. You know, I've seen, you know, you could be designing, you know, it could be, you know, whatever it is, whatever your talent is, and you see it. I remember going to a store in Mississippi, true, true story. I went to a store in Mississippi in middle of nowhere. I don't want to call the town out because I don't want to call the store out. And I walked onto the porch, it was like the old general stores. And on the front porch of this general store, it was an old fashioned cigarette machine that was a classic. I'm like, oh my gosh, I told my wife, look, look baby, look at this right here. That old fashioned machine was worth about eight to $10,000. Just sitting out there in the weather. And then I looked what's next to it. It had all these antique pieces just sitting out there on the porch and out there on the side of the building with grass growing up in it. And I'm just looking at it. And I walked into the store and they were selling Newports and beer. They had the Newports and beer locked up behind bars, but they had a million dollars almost sitting out there on the outside. They could not recognize the value of what, to them, it was just an old plow. You know, it, it, to them, it was just an old board. And to them, it was just a broken uh, um, uh, cigarette machine. So that's what I say. So when you see something, how, how you know what your thing is, is you're able to see the value in something that nobody else can is able to see. And that's how you know that is for you. And then that way, you don't have to have somebody else telling you what the value is. Because now, if you wait for somebody else to tell you what your value is, it could be a professional appraiser. It could be a professional appraiser. And you go in there and you heard the stories that's on the news. This is not breaking news. 
African-Americans, they appraise our, our, uh, our property. It could be the same property next door to somebody of, uh, of, of white America. And some, some appraisers will value our properties less. And if you just take their word for it and say, oh, okay, this is a professional appraiser. Hey, they taking money directly out of your pocket. You have to know what those values are. Nobody can tell you. Uh, I was so impressed today. I was telling my wife about the shoes this morning. You know, you know. I said, "Babe, when I go to GW Fashion, I'm gonna start looking at them shoes now. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start looking at shoes." But I won't look at shoes for me. You know, I would look at, and I would call my brother. If I call you up, say, "Hey, I saw these. You know, would, you know, do you want me to?" I'll take a picture of them, send it to you, you know? Hey, do you want me to put these in UPS for you? You know what I mean? Hey, you know, that's the way I do it. In the same way, somebody can see a property and say, hey, Tim, you know, hey, I thought you might you might like this. But yeah, so being able to recognize and extract value out of anything. It could be dirt. It could be, you know, somebody did bottled water. Come on, man. You know, when they started doing bottled water, they come on. I said, man, that idea, that idea ain't gonna work. Come on, you get bottle, you get water out the faucet. Man, bottled water, look, you know, I right here, boom. You know, but they understood how to extract the value out of it. Let's just clarify, because brothers are like, what's GW fashion? What's that, man? <laughs> oh man, I say GW fashion so much. The GW fashion is goodwill. I'm gonna tell you, I I love goodwill. I go to goodwill maybe two or three times a week. Actually, I got to take you to my basement, man. It's um, I have a speaker down there, fifteen hundred dollars speaker. I got it from Goodwill for twenty five dollars. Like I said, I don't like name brands, you know. Even in GW Fashion Goodwill, that's Gucci in Good in Goodwill, and, you know. And you can buy those shirts out of Goodwill for five bucks. You know. Hey, you know, you know what? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you on that, man. You a number truth on that, core, man. I. I tell people, man, there's a lot of times you find shirts in there, name brand shirts with the tag still on. Pay $5 for them. You know, when I go home, my mother's like, where you get these nice shirts from? These are $100 dress shirts. Give them mm-hmm. for 5 bucks. Shoes. I got, like, speakers. That And also, pawn shops are good. You know, mm-hmm. I've got so many nice electronic equipment, Durham Vegas speakers. I don't know if y'all know what those are, but, you know, that was just one of the best American-made speakers back in the day. And mm-hmm. you know, if you back in the day, them saying those speakers are run by five G's. I give them by eight hundred dollars. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, he right about that goodwill, man. I, 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 you know, a lot of people sleep on that, man. But you'd be surprised. And for it, like he being a sneakerhead, you'd be surprised if you just visit one, you may find some of those rare tennis shoes in mm-hmm. goodwill that come out. Because a lot of times these rich people throw these stuff away. They don't ever wear them. They just, you know, they don't really see the value. Them. They just put them in the you know, they just give them away because they clean out their closet, not knowing the value of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you on that, man. But yeah, okay. I, I accepted that. Yeah, I do the same thing. So I feel you on that. Hey, that's no interruption, brother. I appreciate that because uh, so many times people are, are ashamed to say, oh, man, you know what? I'll say that. I'll say it. it's recorded. I want this to go because guess what? I look good. The clothes don't make me. I make the clothes. I'm, I'll tell you like this right here. When I go to work, I say I still go to nine to five. You know, I work from home, but still. But when we, we're going to the office, I was always one of the best dressed. Man, I could then look. I would just wear a different jacket in the morning, and then to and then the afternoon, I would change up. I would wear a lighter jacket in the afternoon, a warmer jacket in the morning. I could do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I just go shop at GW Fashion, take that stuff to the to the cleaners. Boom. And when I'm get when I'm tired of it, I take it right back to the to GW Fashion. They give you a, a, a slip. They say, what is the value of it? Hey, the value of it now, because I worn it and I say it's good. Now it's worth 10 times what I gave you for it. So now I got to, with the shirt I paid $5 for, I have a $50 tax deduction from Uncle Sam. I make money off of, off of my clothes. There's no way I'm going to give Gucci a daggum dime. Mm-mm. Not gonna do it. Yeah, I've done it too. I've done it too. You'd be surprised, like I say. I found so many, so many Sean John, you name it, is in there. Mm-hmm. And when I get tired of it, I send it to, like I say, do exactly what you're doing. I return it, get the, you know, a, a, a tax receipt on it, and bam, you got, you know, I said, man, this your girlfriend on the dollar. 
or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and get it. And you can write off on your taxes. Perfectly and legal. Ter- uh, perfectly legit. Perfectly yep. legit. Yeah, but yep. I'm just saying, brothers, man, you you got a net worth of a million dollars, man. What you mm-hmm. shopping at Goodwill for, man? I, I just like the fit. You know, I really can't. I can't go into Macy's or those stores now because everything's the same. I'm unique. You know, uh, you to me, you don't stand out. You know, um, creativity beats cash any day. I want everybody to remember that creativity beats cash any day. And so, to me, I love going to uh, uh, GW Fashion and, and picking out something and putting it together and stepping out. And guess what? I know everywhere I go, and I, hey, I'm not saying if I'm in the room with you brothers, I ain't, ain't gonna say I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be the sharpest brother in there by far, <laughs> you know, by far. And it, it, to me, I just get a kick out of it like, hey, you spent $800, you know, uh, 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 $1,200 on your outfit. I spent, you know, 18 and I look better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, to me, I just I just get a kick out of that, you know. So, but like I said, I, I can't give Gucci. It bothers me when when people have have gave more to Gucci uh, and Louis Vuitton that they have invested for their own future, that they have given their own parents. So that means you love Gucci and Louis better than you do your mama. When you were talking about the shoes and and the Nike, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's actually that's awesome because. When I was saying you were able to recognize the value and extract that. That's one of the key principles of being, of being a millionaire. And I hear so many times people would say, oh, man, they stole my idea. Mm-mm. They didn't steal your idea. They were just able to extract the value out of it, you know, that you wasn't able and never was going to extract the value out of it. So That's right. That's, that's why the rich stay rich. That's why. That's why. That's why the rich stay rich. And Look. you know, and it's funny. It's funny, man. Believe real talk, man. It's funny how rich, how poor people try so hard to impress other people trying to be rich. And rich people don't dress like that. If you look at Bill Gates, not Bill Gates, but uh uh Warren Buffett. Man, Warren Buffett's a multi-billionaire. Mm-hmm. And you know what kind of car he drives? impress other poor people i'm letting you know exactly. That. Exactly. because I, you know all of my friends you know and, and and a lot of matter of fact it's so funny when we go to uh gw fashion we'll meet up there and we talk finances so and and you go to gw fashion you can be amongst millionaires <laughs> i'm just saying don't get it twisted don't get it twisted if you, that's where you go you'll be amongst some millionaires in there it, it's gonna be some people that hey that's just doing what they can do creativity over cash. Anybody can come in and hire a decorator and say, come in and, and, and do it. And they're going to, and guess what? And if you're doing that, and uh, if I'm your decorator, I'm going to hit you for 10 G's. Because from what I what I know, my creativity. So you get create, you get creative. And that same 10 G's that you was going to pay a decorator, you invest that. That same, that same $8,000 you was going to give Gucci, you put that in real estate. $10,000 you're going to give Neiman Marcus, you put that a money market funds for your children. But when you give that to, to, to Gucci, you financing Gucci's great, 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 great grandchildren. And that few thousand dollars, they don't put that into an account that's ungrew exponentially. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's right. I don't do name brands. I, I rarely evict people. I rarely, rarely, rarely do because I, I work with you because most of the time, hey, yeah, I, I'm good, you know. I ain't put nobody out in the street. Now, unless you get egregious with me, you know, you get you get smart with me. Hey, you got you got to go. And, you know, you try to play me, you you, you gone. But the last person I evicted, they had so many clothes, they couldn't pay their rent. But when they got put out, they couldn't take all the clothes with them. They had a, one of my storage rooms in, in the house was so full of clothes that the air could not circulate in the storage room. And they had wigs in there. That stuff, I didn't know wigs cost so much daggum money. You know, that's why I'm like, oh, shoot. But the stuff was in there, clothes with tags on them. If you would have added all that money up and, and took it, they could have paid their rent for a year. It don't make sense. But now you out there 
looking for a place to sleep and you you could you don't have a place to even take the stuff you just bought. It don't make sense. It don't make sense. Behold that fashion. Don't give it. I love Fubu is one. I love Fubu. I I I I love the business acumen of of Fubu. You know, I love that part of it. But when it comes down to hey, I'm gonna buy something because it has a symbol on it. You should get something to represent your ancestors. My mother had a purse, a leather purse that she had. My mother's went on to glory and, and passed on. But she had a leather purse that's still in existence today. My dad had a leather wallet. Now that is something that's made that was handmade out of quality. Now it doesn't matter who made that. It was quality made, but it mattered who carried it, who wore that. When you are mentally deficient, when your value is deficient, you need something to put on you to elevate your value. When you, when you are valued by your name, when you know who you are, when you know your value, you can't put nothing on me that's going to raise my value. No, because my value is too high. Mm, are you giving it to us like that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back in that book a little bit. The guy to becoming a millionaire in seven <laughs> years from zero. That's a lot of brothers I know. They're saying, well, heck, I don't have any money now. So give us a tip. So I know we're going to have to read the book to get the tips, but give us a tip out your book from... Seven years from zero to a million. And, and like I said, I'm not a Bible thumper, but uh, I believe in writing a vision and making a plan. And it's little by little. Uh, people, like I said, it's not, it's not that big home run. It's not those big leaps. It's every step. You got to learn how to, when you go out to eat, that instead of going to that restaurant that, you know, you dropping seven, $800 or, or $1,000 at a restaurant and, and you don't have it. You know, let me let me make sure that I'm I'm gonna clear that up when you don't have it because I'll do that. You know, because I can. You know what I mean? It it ain't hurt me. I'm not I'm not going broke. You know, but if you don't have it, you have to use that that money that you have. Everybody has a finite. Listen, everybody has a finite amount of resources. What you do with those resources depends on are you going to be financially secure. And like I said, I use a million to be, you know, as you know, for, for the book, you know, and that was my mark. But it could be your map to a hundred thousand. And because if you if a hundred thousand dollars make you financially secure, it, you know, so be it. And it could be your map to your billion, you know, but whatever gives you peace of mind that you don't have to get up, you know, you get up and you do what you want to do. That money is not a factor in your life, that it does not dictate your decision. One thing I hate when people, when I ask somebody, hey, let's go do X, Y, Z, that they got to ask, well, how much it costs? That hurts me. That hurts me because especially when you get like, so you see this right here, I got, I got some, some gray in here. You know, we have lived our lives and now it should be our, our golden years, our years that we reward ourselves. But it's those little steps. And that's how, and that's how it gets us because it's not like, hey, you're going out making one big purchase that messes you up. It's all those little purchases every day. The book tells you how those little purchases hurt you. And then also the book tells you how compound interest works. That's one of the tips, compound interest. And then that's part of the, the well, I say, write a vision and make it plain and learn these principles. It's in the book, the how can you use compound interest and then watch your money grow, and then you will eventually eventually get there. The key to that is you have the resource. You don't have to look for, for different resources. Yeah, I love that side hustle. You know, with, with them shoes, man, that, that's one of my, look, I'm going to be talking about that on another podcast one day. You know, don't sue me, because I'll be telling I'll be telling about you, brother. I'll be telling about my, my man, he, he's, he broke his side hustle out with them shoes. So, yes. So sometimes, yeah, it's good to have the extra income. You know, and I talk about side hustles in my book, you know, whatever it is. And I wish I knew you first. I would have talked about your shoes. You have to be faithful over what you have. And you got to know the power of money. If somebody gave you a choice that I can give you this magic penny that every day and whatever, every day, this penny and what comes out of this penny will double. Or I can give you a million dollars and only double for 30 days. Which one would you choose? 
Oh, I'm taking them pennies, baby. And them things going to keep counting. But I know a lot of brothers going to say, give me that million for the 30. Give me that million. <laughs> right. Because you're right. Absolutely. You're absolutely you're a smart brother. And I know you're a smart brother. I knew you was going to go for the right answer. Because it compounds after 30 days. That penny is going to be turned into several million, like $28 million. You got to know how money works and the value of it. And so, and then, you know, the value of money over time. And just so that's why I can't go to, I can't go to Gucci and give them a thousand dollars because I know I could say, take this $1,000 right here and I could put it here. And then I got $20,000. And at this time, can't do it. I just can't do it. Anytime, anytime you buy something, even, even new cars, you know, anything, you know, in, in life, it, it, like I said, we have a finite amount of income in our lives. You know, even, even me, you know, if even me, if I would have took that money that I had and bought Louis and Gucci and, and a whole bunch of cars and stuff, I, I still, I wouldn't be a millionaire today. Plain and simple. I could have easily spent that money I had on, I remember my recovery from zero. You know, I remember my first condo I bought after uh, PD post-divorce, you know, and I was broke. You know, I bought that thing for 50 grand, 50, you know, and, you know, and, uh, and people's like that knew me said, man, you ain't gonna live in this, you ain't gonna live over here. You ain't gonna live in this two bedroom condo. Man, you just got, came out of an eight bedroom, eight bath mansion, you know, with a, with the, with a huge waterfall in the back, you know, I said, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Man, I took that 50 grand condo. Man, I, I did it myself. I put wood floors in that camp, went to GW Fashion. I, you know, I got my mattresses from the store, you know, stuff like that. But with the GW Fashion, hooked that thing up. Man, every time I had company, like, oh, this is a nice place. <laughs> Bro, no, man. Uh -uh. You, you have a finite amount of money that comes in your paycheck. If everybody, most 98% of the people living, uh, listen to uh, this podcast are, are going to work. Your check is going to be the same every week until you get a pay raise. They decide. So they decide that they want to elevate you. But no, you make the decision on your own finances. And, and you decide, no, I'm going to take this here and invest it in me. I'm going to buy appreciate, appreciating assets instead of depreciating assets. I'm not going to buy that, that uh, Super S Benz and um, and I don't own my own home. I'm gonna tell you straight up. If you drive a Benz, and I, I hate, I'm not gonna hurt. I'm, you know, you can say anything to anybody with love. If you drive a Benz and you're pulling up to an apartment, you're stupid. And I and I don't say that to hurt your feelings. I say that for you to think about. And if I'm doing wrong, I want you to tell me straight up. Don't beat around the bush. So I ain't gonna beat around the bush on this. If you and if if you out there wearing a Birkin bag, worth $20,000, and if, if you don't have at least a half a million in your account, you're stupid. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I say it like this right here. I, I, I use this analogy. If I'm laying on some railroad tracks and a train is coming, I can't hear or see that, that train coming, but I'm laying right across these railroad tracks, and but I'm deaf and can't see. I don't want somebody to come up and sugarcoat Hey, I would recommend you get off the railroad tracks. <laughs> you know, uh-uh. I want somebody to come up and tell me, get the heck off these tracks. Pull me, tell me straight up. Let me know. So I'm telling you, if you keep going out there buying them Birkin bags, because I'm going to tell you something, it's insatiable. No matter how much Louis or Gucci you go get, it's never going to be enough. Because it's never going to be, because they're going to come out with something else the next week. And you're going to be wearing the old stuff. And you're going to be laughed at. Just telling you how it is. So I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to tell you because you can say anything out of love. I tell you, I say this to people because I want them to do better. I don't wear, because like I told, my, I told my man, I bought a, a designer shirt out of, out of uh, GW Fashion. And uh, I didn't realize what it was. But apparently it was, a, it was a nice designer. And I don't really want to call the name of it. I don't want to give him any credit. So I was getting a lot of compliments on the shirt. I took it back. Because I don't want to influence. I don't want nobody to say, oh, Tim wears this. I want to wear it to be like him because he's successful. I don't want to be a negative influence on people. I drive a Nissan Titan. I bought my wife a Porsche, of course. But I drive a truck. 
I wear Skechers shoes, but my account is cool. I ain't, I ain't worried about going to work on money. My, my family, if anybody is ever in a jam, you know how many times that families need $10,000 and nobody in their family can put their hands on 10 Gs? You know how many properties that has been transferred, wealth has been transferred from one community to another one over 10 Gs? Because nobody got 10 Gs in their family cash, but they don't spend 10 Gs on fashion. And okay, after not wasting money, after being more efficient with the money that you make, what can you do every day, I guess, to be growing toward, Wow. I guess, increasing your income or finding other side hustles or um, finding ways to find better uses of your money? What do you suggest? One of the first things, I'm so glad you said that, and I should have said this, pay off debt. Find your highest interest rates that you have and pay off debt. Pay that pay that debt off. You'll be shocked. I, I did a financial class with an individual and they didn't realize they were paying in a month in interest alone over $2,200 if they add up every bit of interest that they were paying from their mortgages and all those things. So pay off debt. Call your creditors and, and tell them, hey, reduce every quarter, even to this day, every quarter. I, call, I wish you could pay off cable. You can't pay it off. So you got to you gotta go through the, the cable company. Uh, you can't pay off your gas bill. I hate, I hate having to pay bills. I hate it. But I'll call them clowns every quarter. They look for it. And I say, hey, what's, what's your best rate? What's your best rate that you have? And I'm, so I reduce. It, it's, not, it's not written in stone what they charge you. Mm-mm. No, your, your, your homeowner's insurance, you got to have that. You can't pay that off. After a while, you can become self-insured, and and that's another show. You know, I'm all you know. After a while, I won't. You know, I'll be self-insured. I don't have to do life insurance. I tell my wife like, "Hey, look, something happened to me. Just use the million I got. You know, just do this, do that. You know, so on and so forth." But that's another that's another topic. You know, but reduce your debt, reduce your interest that you pay uh, that you're paying people, reduce. Uh, and then uh, uh, renegotiate any terms that you have, any any kind of uh, gas bill, cable bill, reduce all that because those. And then you add that money up, and then every month you invest, you can snowball and pay off other debt. And then once that debt is zero, that's why I said you're to your major from zero because if you are fifty thousand in debt, you're not at zero. <laughs> you know what I mean? So zero. Some people have to come up to zero. So that's what I recommend on an everyday uh, basis. And then, like I said, and then that recognition and then that side hustle. And your finances, look at it like an engine in a car. Look at it like an engine in a car. You put bad gas in there uh, or your engine ain't tuned up, you're not going to get good gas mileage. So you want to get excellent gas mileage with your finances. And that's going to get you to your destination, which is a millionaire. Thank you. You're welcome, man. Is there a such thing as bad real estate? It's all real estate, good real estate. And how do you do a risk slash benefits analysis before you purchase? Wow. Great question, man. Great question. Yes, there is such thing as a bad. There could be always a bad deal. Yeah. Yes. Yes, there is. When I used to be a real estate agent a long time ago in a past life, people would tell me, I only want to see repos. Uh, I only want to see repos. And I would tell them, I said, because it's a repo doesn't mean it's a good deal. Because guess what? The bank is trying to get as much money as they can get out of it. So people who would just want to just see repos, I would try to say, hey, let me show you everything. And so many times, about time you buy a repo and then you do all the repairs, you would have did better by buying something that was already in existence, you know, that was fully functional. So there is some bad real estate. And also, too, and like I said, it's the ability to extract the money out of that real estate. I have gotten real estate off of people who couldn't make a dime off of it, that they couldn't unload it, that they were losing their shirt off of it. And I got them like, oh, thank you. <laughs> May I have another? So yes, there is a such thing as, as bad real estate. You can pay too much for something. Talk to somebody you know who, who's in it. Uh, always do a what's called a CMA, comparative market analysis, a CMA, comparative market analysis, uh, when you're buying real estate. And then some of it, you just got to know. You just got to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do with this. And, and it's the next thing called highest and best use. 
you know, uh, do you want to uh, purchase this and do you want to rent it out uh, and wait till the market come to you? Or do you want to just go put the money into it, but you got to be able to get the money out of it? So yes, there, there is such thing as, as a bad real estate deal. Brother Timothy Jernigan, man, thanks for coming on Black Myth Sundays, giving us all these tips. Did you have a good time, man? Uh, brother, I, I, this is me, man, every day. You know, this is me every day. This is what, this is what I live, bro. I had a, had a great time. I had a beautiful time. Definitely. And fellas out there, go on and grab this brother's book, Timothy Jernigan, Your Map to Your Million, The Guide to Becoming a Millionaire in Seven Years from Zero. You know, when I was saying zero, like, oh, I don't have any money, but not realizing, oh, if I'm in debt by X amount of dollars, I'm not at zero. So that kind of woke me up a little bit. So get this brother's book. I saw it on Amazon. So I saw it sold out in other areas, but Amazon did have it. So Timothy Jernigan, thanks for coming on Black Men Sunday's Blessing Us, brother. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. That's what's up. Hi, brothers. It's a Black Man Sunday.